Welcome to Old Town New World. We're here in Old Town Rock Hill, South Carolina at Millstone Pizza. I'm Jason Broadwater and we're here to talk about the ever-changing world of Old Town USA. couple guests with me. I have, uh, of course, as always, Silent Micah behind the Micah. Say hello, Micah. Good job. Well done. All right. I also have Camille, who works with me at Rev and Flow. Camille, say hello. Hello. All right. And I have Keith Smith. Keith, say hello, please. Hello. All right. Keith, I appreciate you being on the podcast. I know uh, Camille has arranged this for us, and you are the, apparently, the American dad of Camille. So what is an American dad, and how in the world did you find yourself the dad of a French girl? Um, it all started, uh, Brian and Ginger Duncan, they uh, work with Winthrop College, and what we do is, it's through, I think, it may be through the Baptist Association, but what we do is give a uh, home or somewhere for them to go. We don't actually adopt them, but like if uh, Camille needs something, she can call us, and sometimes like, um, I think my wife helped her with a paper, we fell in love with her, and the other students and uh, a lot of times we just have them over for a Sunday dinner or they go to church with us or okay. anything like that so we just give them a place to go I never went to college but um my wife did and somebody done that for her oh wow and she remembers how much it meant to her so she kind of spearheaded this That's I've always great. worked with young people yeah and um so she wanted to go with it and I said that was great with me and so you're like a support system basically yes basically yeah. yes That's great. so Camille how does that affect your experience here in the states it's um it's, I'm mean, like it's it's very funny. We have the um, the, the TV series uh, American Dad, right? Uh, in the U.S., yeah. So it's very funny to say, oh, it's, it's this is my American Dad, which has nothing to do with the TV show. But um, basically, we met at the friendship dinner, which which is um, from the Baptist Church. It's every uh, it's the third Friday of every month, and it's a free meal that the Baptist Church is putting together for internationals. And um, I'm used to go every every time I, I can I can. And uh, I met uh, my husband met uh, Keith and Tammy and introduced me to them. And they invited us to to church uh, on Sunday. And we just felt we just fell in love with their family, um, how they were treating us. It was so great. They were teaching us some their culture uh, from Kotoba, but also what they have experienced in life. And it's very um, I mean like you you feel home you. you I mean, like, I love Rock Hill, you guys know that right now, but it's still very, you feel, you feel home more, even more with them around. So you said, uh, Keith, you said Tammy, your wife, had someone do this for her in college? What do you mean by that? Uh, she went to uh, Clemson um, for about five years, and I think, uh, not really sure exactly how it came about, but they kind of had something like for students who were who didn't have family in town, they kind of gave them a home and give them, provide them supper every oh, now and again cool. and stuff yeah. like that. So that's what uh, got her wanting to do it. And, that's um, right. and you said you didn't uh, go to college? No, sir, I did not. Did you uh, go straight to the uh, a school of hard knocks? <laughs> well, it's kind of that way. Uh, I started out going to York Tech and uh, my mother passed. Oh, okay. And um, things changed and I needed to go oh, to work okay. and um, had no regrets, you yeah. know. Uh, I'm blessed, so I love my life. I Absolutely. love. I, if I could be anywhere else, I would be right where I'm at. So. Yeah. 
Well, you just uh, relatively recently started a business, right? Six years now. Yes, sir. I, uh, I worked for Worthington Steel for almost 22 years, and then when the recession hit in 2008, they shut the plant down. That was the only job I ever had except for a job at Bilo going through high school, and uh, I prayed about it and put in for a bid at Catawba Baptist and got it, and it all started from there. So I was just kind of thinking that uh, not having any education or anything like that, I just took a shot, see yeah. what happened, and, it, and it's been successful. And you said you, you, you put in a bid, you put in a bid to do lawn care. Yes, sir. And that's what your business is. Yes, sir. That's great. So do you do uh, commercial properties? or? If you pay me enough, I'll cut it commercial, <laughs> residential. Yep. Yeah. I hear you. That's good. Well, well good. So, And you got a, what do you run, uh, crews, or is it mostly you? No, it is me and a friend of mine named Graham Mendenhall that I actually taught in Sunday school when he was oh, a young yeah. man. He works at the fire department. Um, he's adopted three children, and so on his days off, he helps me for about two days a week. I don't really want my business to grow too big. I want to do the work. Yep, I want to keep it small. Uh, the thing with one of my main focal points when I started my own business is uh, not having an education and things like that, I wanted to make sure I would be home every night with my wife and two boys. And then, you know, it's, op it's opened up a lot of other doors to being able to get involved in international ministry. It just gives me a lot of flexibility. My yeah. boys are young, so I can always take off and make up for the time elsewhere being self-employed. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, it's funny, uh, <clears throat> I always joke, you know, I I'm also self-employed. I joke, well, I'm self-employed, so I control my time, which means I get to control when I work my 80 hours. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, uh, this time of year is my busiest summertime. My wife's a school teacher, so it works out really good that uh, during my busy season, she's out of school, and when she's back in school, I start to slow down, so it's been real good. Yeah, that's a good schedule. Yes, huh? it is. Yeah, that's good. And your boys are in, uh, like, middle school? I have one in middle school, and I have one in elementary. Okay, yeah. That's good. And y'all live here, y'all live in Catawba? Yes, sir. So Catawba's where from Rock Hill? It's about six miles south. Six miles south of Rock Hill. Yes, is there a, uh, I mean, it's just rural kind of. Very. Yeah. There's not really a center city, center town. No, sir. Y'all come here to the downtown Rock Hill area much? Yes. How come? Uh, for me, it brings back a lot of memories. It's like um, now they're going back. I remember when they enclosed the mall yeah. for many years, and that kind of took away from it. And Absolutely. I was I was happy when they took the roof back off because when I was young, I remember my mom worked at CNS Bank right over here. It's no longer there, but my dad would come get me. We would go to Watkins and get a hot dog because yeah. they had famous Absolutely. chili. Yeah. We would walk to the newsstand and um, the Thanksgiving parade, Christmas Day parade. I just remember all those things. And yeah. I love history. I love the old feel of the new old town I guess yeah, you would say absolutely it's amazing I think uh, you know the young generation the millennial generation is is appreciating that and very attuned to that I mean you know the idea of, of getting an old building and leaving the brick exposed and leaving the old paintings that are on the side of it like that is really what people what is kind of cool and hip you know what yeah. older I get the more I appreciate it so yeah that's good I think it's something that you know can really span any generation the appreciation for for history you know because a building kind of has a soul you know it can have a soul from its history so I think that's cool where, where, where's your you run your business out of your house it's actually in my backyard what happened was I bought a house and then uh, when I got married me we sold my house and moved back to a family property and bought more family brought more bought more property that was adjoined to it and okay. built our house 
So it's like the homestead, essentially. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I never, my family never doesn't really have a homestead. My wife's family does. I actually bought my father's old house and we rent it out. So oh, okay. it's all right there together. My brother lives there and uh, my cousin, who was like my sister, she lives on the property. Yeah. And uh, we got to uh, introduce Camille to riding Kawasaki mules and four wheelers <laughs> and getting muddy and yeah. And she loved it. So That's good. She, I'm trying to teach her how to speak Southern. Yeah. And, uh, right. <laughs> she's going to be fitting right in here for yeah. long. That's good. So, uh, is Camille your first international student? You? She was actually her and Ivan were my um, third and fourth. Oh, okay. So, who were the who? Where were the other ones from? Or it was Avout and uh, Christer. Christer was from the Netherlands, and Avout was from. Christian was uh, from Norway? Yeah, Norway, and Avout was from Netherlands. Okay. Avout is still here. Christian went home in December. Oh, okay. Avout goes home in three weeks. Permanently? Yes, and his family has came and we, you know, his family came over back in Christmas and come by and oh, that's neat. had lunch with us and everything. Yeah. So. That's very cool, man. Very it's cool. good and bad because, you, you know, you get it. I didn't realize at the time that you would get so attached to him. Right. You yeah. know? You really, you know, you fall in love with them. They, uh, they have a, I guess the biggest thing about it is been seeing the appreciation that they have that you reach out to them. Yeah. So huh. it's very rewarding. Yeah, that's cool. So, you know, it sounds like you are pretty heavily involved in uh, ministry. Yes, sir. And that's just basically, uh, that's not any type of ordained thing. That's just your effort towards bringing yeah. people together. That's right. So is that driven by your own kind of personal experience, I would imagine? Or? Yes, sir. I uh, accepted Christ when I was 15. Uh, the man that led me to the Lord probably should have kicked me out of his house, but instead <laughs> he took the time and uh, worked with me and ended up changing my life. And So I work with a lot of young people or, you know, whoever. I don't care. I don't need a title. I just yeah. put in the work. Put in the work, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. That's good. Somebody did it for me, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So. Yeah. That's good. I think... Um, you know, one of the positive things I see changing uh, I, this, with this younger generation, we talk about the millennial generation a lot on this podcast because it's part of this whole revitalizing downtowns and this whole new economy and stuff. Well, I think that the millennial generation has, you know, there's a lot of entitlement and laziness and stuff, but that's just because they're kids still, you know, but there's a social responsibility and a desire to have a community and a network, you know, there's a desire to be part of something local that has legs. So whether that's church or whether that's a group of people that meet and take care of each other and talk philosophy or like whatever it is, something they can ground themselves, connect with each other. You see that happening? Yes, I do. Yeah, I think that's good. Behind the mic, Micah, silent Micah, you have anything to say about that? That was profound. I appreciate it. Um, Camille, in France, do you see a drastic divide between what we call the millennial generation and the previous generation like do you see the older generations being significantly different from your generation <clears throat> yeah um we see a lot of uh changes from uh basically i have um i have a brother five years um younger than me and um he's uh, totally into the millennials even if he's not into social media or whatever he's he really represents this uh, generation and every time i was picking him up at the um, uh, junior high school, high school, I was so impressed about every how they how they move, how they um, react with each other, how they. I, I felt like I had like some some years to catch up because I wasn't like that when I was uh, a teenager. Right. So it's it's really um, 
there's so many so many habits that change and it's yeah. it's just crazy well, it's interesting there's a lot of kindness looking after stewarding our environment stewarding our community that I hear young people talking about that I'm just like man when I was your age I didn't think about any of that stuff you know not at all I was way more selfish than that admittedly you know Especially, um, the environment friendliness that kind of like appeared to uh, yeah. to the world and there's so like um, I went to I was a babysitter for a couple of months to this uh, family in TGK um, in um, in the US in um, sorry in South Carolina and um, the the girl so the the the, the husband was a doctor and um, the, the wife was uh, a nutrition doctor and uh, the girl said oh she was um, apparently she was sick and she told me oh no I, I cannot eat dairy when I'm sick and I'm like why because it's kind of like mixed up with your mess up with your um, um, your mute system and whatever and I'm like how, how do you know that and it's just like she was really into iPad and social media, and she was like, oh, do you, do you know about this trend? I mean, like, so aware of everything that was going on, and I'm yeah, well, like... You, know, you look at this place right here, provisions. This is something that you would see in the late 1800s, you know, like early 1900s, a store that had basic provisions. That's where you'd buy, like, you know, sack flour and uh, feed. And That's what my grandfather did. Really? Yes. Well, this is like the new age version of that. You go in there, there's not sack flour and seed. There's like, you know, bags of honey roasted peanuts and uh, dehydrated uh, spaghetti sauce or something. You know, but it's still this idea that you have this kind of provisions place versus a um, it's ready to eat fast food generation like I grew up in. It's something a little more, there's more work involved in that. It's, people, there's a cultural thing around it. People like craft beer and provision stores and everything takes a little more sweat you know what I mean a little more work and I think that's good it brings us back to uh, you know what it's about yeah. I think. and also the fact that today it's uh, the earth day oh, we're kind go. of like celebrating the going back to the nature and having this uh, environment friendliness going on and how to thank the nature and stop polluting so much and yeah it's, uh, it's definitely um, a change and a new habit from the millennials well keith is somebody who lives out in catawba has some land and drives four-wheelers on them i imagine that you have uh both an appreciation for uh kind of you know and somebody who actually manicures properties and land Imagine you have an appreciation for the value of property, of earth, of land, of space. There's no place I'd rather be. I love being on my tractor with my dogs, going hunting with my sons, yeah. going fishing. We have a pond in the backyard. We swim in it, fish in it. We deer hunt on our property. We do all of those things. See, that's funny. It's great, man, because it's interesting how you have conservatives and liberals and all this stuff, and it's just kind of, to me, it's just noise in the air and uh, where you find common ground a lot of times is just being able to appreciate being out on some land, thank you, and uh, being with dogs and swimming and you know what I mean? Well, I think with the social media and stuff, people get wrapped up and uh, just in my humble opinion, you know, you look at, like you said, it's a bunch of noise, but my contribution to society is being the best Keith Smith I can be 
raising my two boys to be good men, to serve people, but stand their own ground. And um, I'm always telling young people, you know, that uh, you can't let the world set the standard for what you define as successful. Right. You know, you may ride by and see me weed eating cemetery, and some people it'd be 100 degrees and feel sorry for that guy. But I'm doing what I want to do and doing what I love. Exactly. And, and I, you would drive by and see some guy in a skyscraper office building at 7.30 at night sitting behind a desk and, and I feel, feel sorry for that you. guy. That's <laughs> yeah, right. right. That's right. Exactly. So, you, you know, you have, to, you have to be the one that defines your success, nobody else. Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, a profound thing. And I think, um, you know, I know <clears throat> my own journey. I, um, I have an extremely strong work ethic that I uh, got from my dad. And... Um, I, I misinterpreted work for a long time. I thought work was the things that you're doing that make you miserable. And fun was the things that you're doing that you enjoy. And I have to work more than to have fun or I'm not being responsible, so I need to be miserable a lot. And I realized the stuff I do when I'm having fun is work. I mean, I spend a, so much time creating, designing, you know, we do uh, internet marketing, design, all this kind of stuff. I love it, man. So when I'm doing all that, coming up with ideas, coming up with solutions, that's work. That's my highest and best use. That's my greatest value that I offer uh, people who pay me. But that's my most fun. And I used to think, well, I didn't get anything done today. I, I, all day long, I came up with ideas and solved problems. I didn't get anything done, you know, because I, I wasn't miserable. And I really had to come to terms with that idea, like, Work is not that which makes you miserable. Work is that which makes you productive, you know? And as long as you're being productive, at least me, as long as I'm being productive, I can be happy. I can find time to relax and all that kind of stuff. So I know leaving uh, this other industry that you were in, I mean, how much more productive do you feel doing the work that you do now? Where again, you know, like you said, you, people might say, well, he's just cutting grass. But you know, what's your feeling on productivity as far as what you do now? Well, the thing, I guess, uh, I kind of, I used to be an expediter and a scheduler, and I had to depend on a lot of other people. And if those guys called in sick, they made my life a living nightmare. Even though it was out of my control, I was kind of the center of where things happened. And they would come to me wanting to know why a product wasn't ready. And I think that played huge in me wanting to stay small with my business. You know, and um, having more control over having it. more control and being able to guarantee what I say I'm gonna do because I'm the one doing the work, me and another guy. And then, um, you know, also it gives me the opportunity to put my boys out there. Last year, I let Dalton work with me for about four or five hours. That's the older boy. Yes, sir. And uh, it was hot. He had to work his tail off for about four or five hours. And I said, "This is what happens when you don't have an education." <laughs> you know, this this is what yeah. you have to look forward to, but which I love. And yeah. it's nothing wrong with somebody has to do that. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I tell him, like I tell other young people, I stress education because it gives you an option. Options. That's the thing. You can with with the education, you can choose to do that. Mm -hmm. But you can choose to do something else. So it's about options. That's right. That's exactly what I it's was about. just fortunate that uh, I fell into something. It was a blessing that I yeah. fell into something that I truly love doing. Well, I would say. I may be so bold that you uh, didn't uh, dumb luck stumble upon it, that you took the initiative to create to some extent, you know, understanding that we don't control everything and, you know, that we're at the mercy of the, that which controls us. But you put forward initiatives to, to design this business and create this business. I mean, that's fair. Now, yes, uh, it's what I tell people, you know, it's like, um, and I tell young people a lot, you know, I said, you know, 
tells you in Scripture, asking you shall receive, seeking you shall find. That's a two-part prayer. You can't just ask. you got to seek it. Seek, which means do. you got to do. you got to yeah. go to I could sit in a recliner all day and wish for a business this, and ask for a business. It's not going to happen. Right. You got to get off your tail and go. And it's, yeah. you know, you're gonna have uh, you're gonna have obstacles. It's not gonna be easy. You just got to keep pushing. Yeah. And you do it by getting one job at a time. One job at a time. Yeah. And doing it good and going. Exactly. So, Deliver. Right. Yeah, that's hard. You know, we used to have these uh, epic battles in Rev and Flow. I call them, <laughs> where uh, I used to my old partner. We would argue about <clears throat> how to grow the business. He was always looking outward. And I was always like, that's not how you, you don't look outward to grow. Nobody's going to come along and save us. Nobody's going to just drop on us this golden solution that changes everything. Like, you look inside to change, right, to grow. So I would always say the, the best path towards growth is let's look at the work that we have on the table right now and let's blow it out of the water. Like, let's do an exceptional job right. at what we got on the table right, right now, now, and that'll lead to more business. Exactly right. Yeah. So it's not, you know, it's funny, man. Like, you got to be a dreamer, but you got to be a doer, mm-hmm. or you never get any. You don't get nothing. And if you're just a doer, you, you never imagine that you could have your own business, you know? So where does that come from? Did you have any entrepreneurs in your family? My grandfather's, and his grand, his father and my grand. Everybody in my family has owned their own business. Really? And the very last, my mom and dad ran greenhouses. And his father ran a store. And uh, the last thing that I ever wanted, believe it or not, was to have my own business. <laughs> so it's, uh, you never know, you know, yeah. you, you never know what's going, you, you change over time. Yeah. And it's like I told my wife, I said, it just must be destiny that I run my own business, yeah. you know, because it just fell that way, you know. And um, like I said, during the recession, I mean, if you ride around town and look, everybody's pulling a lawnmower. I mean, the odds were against me, you know. And yeah. It's, uh, I just had faith and I had a vision and it wasn't anything on me. I just kept trying until it, until it happened, you know. That's great, man. Good for you. So. Yeah, good for you and your family. Um, so, your wife, you said she's in education. And what 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 about where you say education? She is she is uh, rock. She's a school teacher with the Rock Hill School District. Okay. Yeah, always elementary or yes, middle or elementary. She teaches at the Central Child Development Center, which oh, is right okay. downtown. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Sylvia Eccles is real involved in uh, that place, I believe. Um, my wife is a counselor at an elementary school out in Clover. You know uh, Bethany out 161 mm-hmm. towards. Yeah, so she's so I know the the education world. I actually taught ninth grade English for four years. You believe that? Well, I could, you know, uh, I always make it a joke, but I tell people when we first got married, you know, when they put the announcement in the paper, it said Tammy Murray Smith of Calhoun. Calhoun uh, graduated Calhoun Academy, went to Clemson, got her BA in elementary education and uh, master's in this, and 30 hours over her master's is employed with the Rock Hill School District, Mary's Keith. You know, so, period. Yeah, period. You know, that's the, right. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, that's kind of what, what you know, that's kind of what it would have said. You know, yeah. but it's a joke. But you know, yeah. it's it's just two different people. But yeah. Well, you know, I think that goes back to what you were saying about that you can't let uh, some social standard or external force define what success is. No, sir. Because I mean, you know, I think we're facing that in our country right now. Like. We're having a shake-up in education. It is just not the case. As much as 
I think a lot of people don't want to hear this. It is just not the case that it's the best option for everybody to go to a $100,000 four-year school. It's just not necessarily the best thing for everybody anymore. I mean, and it's like before it was like, well, that's what you should do. But if you don't do it, then you have failed a little bit and maybe you can still rally and do something okay. But like we're moving away from that even being necessarily what you should do. I mean, I got out of my master's program with uh, so much debt. I just paid it off last year. I'm 39 years old. I've been running my own business for 10 years. I just paid off my school loan from my master's program last year. You know what my master's is in? Creative writing. So, I mean, I loved it. It was a great experience, but did I need to spend freaking 19 years paying for it? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I, I don't know if that's necessarily the wisest thing to do. Well, I think know? sometimes, too, you know, is, uh, the thing that's overlooked the most is common sense. Right. You can get all the education <laughs> right. you want. If you exactly. don't have common sense, you're not going anywhere. Exactly. You know, and um, exactly. the thing that uh, the thing that you got, I think, I'm not saying that I'm by all mean, any means a successful businessman. I've been doing it for six years, and I'm still eating, so I consider that success. That's good, yeah. But, uh... You know, I think um, you gotta you gotta use good judgment and you gotta use good common sense and and treat people fairly. Yeah. You know, and and stand your own ground and just do a good job. Yeah. You know, that's what it comes down to. I mean, I think that right now we got an issue where college has become kind of a um, it's not. Oh my gosh, what an incredible privilege I have to go to college. I better work my butt off my freshman year, first semester, first day. It's more like. Well, I'm entitled to four years of kind of goofing off and finding myself. I'm just entitled to that. And then I'll really get out there and, you know, find out what's going on. Because uh, I'm just, you know, upper middle class or middle class. You know, so I'm just entitled to that, that grace period. I think we have a lot of that going on. And I think we're having an adjustment right now. There's a shakeup. And the shakeup has to do with people that are saying, golly, <clears throat> you know, my dad and my uncle are still paying off their student loans. And they work in a field that has nothing to do with what they even studied in school. So, like, maybe I don't, maybe I'm gonna need a different route, you know. So, I think we're really starting to re-examine education. And I think the idea that there's international opportunities, the idea of what a technical school is, of what a community college is, of what four-year degree program, of online learning, and you know, and and the fact that there's so many jobs that you know, what's a, there's like a saying about like kindergartners. Something like 80% of your kindergartners will work jobs that don't exist today. You know, at all, that we, we can't even dream up right now. Because by the time they get to the workforce, there'll be something new. So how do you even train people for that? You know, I think instilling in people confidence. You know, you're talking about wrestling with kids. That idea of confidence. I think the uh, willingness to, put, to fail and be okay and try again and try harder. Uh, I think responsibility. And then problem solving, these things can make you be successful in, in anything. So somehow you got these qualities, you had a major change in your life and you decided to go out and do something, you know, and you must have done it with some level of confidence because nobody hires somebody who doesn't have any confidence, you know what I mean? So I mean, I don't, does that, any of that ring true to you? Well, no, it's like um, what you're talking about with education. When I found out that my plant was going to be shutting down, I went and did, uh, there was a friend of mine that had left because she knew that plant was closing so she went to another facility and told me they were needing somebody within my kind of services so I went in there I haven't done an interview in 22 years right. it's kind of like sitting here with you but I wasn't nervous I just 
I'm gonna be truthful and honest. When I went in there, you know, the guy started looking at my education, and he was ready to shut it down. Right. And I said, "Man, just tell me, you know, what your problems are." And he showed me, and I mapped out what I would do. I said, "This is how I would fix it," yeah. because I did exactly what. Right. And he, his eyes got big, and he said, "You're the one I want." That's great. But <clears throat> he called me back a week later and said they would not let. Him hire me because wow. I didn't have an education. See, those are check boxes, and see, that's what's got to shake up. That's what's got to change. Because if you, if, if somebody can come in and improve your business, you don't need the check boxes. Like check boxes no. out the window. But common sense is gone. Exactly. Sometimes. It is. It is. Yeah. Well, because because you institutionalize everything, and a lot of it that is cover your butt. It is, but you're hiring a piece of paper. Yeah, exactly. Instead of hiring a person. Well, that's like loans and stuff too, with banks and stuff. They're they're doing it based on a piece of paper. You know, you get a good. We actually have a great um, Andy Sheen here, at First Citizens, uh, is is awesome. They've been so, and, and actually Bank of York, uh, that they've been, they, excuse me, Bank of York's been our bank since I started my business, and now First Citizens. You know, we work with them too. They've both been, they've both, I've sat across the table from the people who signed the document that approved your loan, and they've looked me in the eye and said, I like you, I trust you, I believe in what you're doing, let's, let's move forward. Not, you, we checked all the boxes on the paper necessarily, or we, you know what I mean? It's based on people. That's right. Yeah. So that gets lost sometimes. So I think we, I think though we're in a good place. I, I definitely don't have a uh, pessimistic view on the world or people or anything. What, what, what's your view on? That? Well, I mean, I think this kind of gets back to what uh, I think a lot of people with the social media, we get every piece of bad news there is, right, yeah. and I think that paints a gloom and doom picture for a lot of a lot of young people. We just, I mean, you know, very seldom do you look or turn on the TV. Did they report anything good? No, it's terrible. News like if you is see. Terrible. If you're doing something good with an international ministry, they're not going to report that. But if somebody dies, they'll report. Right, they'll report it. Somebody's hurt. It's always negative. You know what I mean? And it's just not. uh, But anyway, that's my take. And like I said, you know, you have the liberals, you have the conservatives. Everybody's fighting, and nothing's getting solved. Right. So I just don't focus on that. I focus on my wife, my two boys, my business, and that's really all that's in my control. Yeah. Well, I think you know. Folks like yourself, you know, are a critical part of a community. Folks like Camille coming in from the outside and putting in energy here while you're here. You know, uh, Micah grew up here, uh, creative individual, makes movies, does designs, works at my company. Uh, I myself started business, two kids. You know, uh, I'm at I'm coaching basketball, I'm at soccer, you know, all that stuff. You know, it's like. First soccer game I ever seen, I coached it. So. <laughs> you know what? That's funny, man. Yeah. I, I didn't grow up playing soccer, and I coached Drake's first league, and I was like, I told the ref, I said, I really don't know the rules, but I generally have an idea. All I said is which, <laughs> yeah. one's, which one's their goal yeah, and which right. one's mine. Exactly. You know, and that's, that's basically all exactly. I knew. You know? Now, I like coaching basketball. I do know basketball, but, I, um, but yeah, I did that. With, so I finally had to bow out. I was like, Drake, I can't, I can't coach you soccer anymore because you're actually getting pretty good, and I'm, you're out of my league, exactly, man. Yes. I had no idea. They were five and six-year-olds, so yeah, I wasn't right. too concerned. So. Yeah, that's too funny. And I, I did. I said Ivan, but I meant to say Aurelian. That's, oh, right. I did yeah. say Ivan. Was, I, I met Ivan, Aurelian, and Camille all at the same time. So. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, they're good folks. Good folks. I, I commend you on uh, and your wife, Tammy, on uh, wanting to 
bring in folks and make them feel at home here? Well, it's, uh, when we first started, and um, my son, my youngest one, he's very literal, and when we told him we were going to adopt, he wanted to know if he was going to have to move out of his room. <laughs> <laughs> but like this young lady right here, I would adopt her today. I would, me and my wife both would. She is a very good person. So. Well, we're glad to have her at Revenflow. She's a blessing to be part of the group. So, and. Uh, We'll check with you before we make any decisions. We'll right. make sure we get your blessing. <laughs> so, yeah, that's good. I, you know, I think that uh, it takes all kinds to make a community whole. And uh, I think that, you know, I, you know, I work a lot with the economic development of the city, and we're talking all the time about we got to bring in talent, we got to bring in people, we got to. But sometimes in those, it's easy, and I'm not saying anybody's doing anything wrong because I'm in, in. We're all. It's a good effort, but sometimes we forget the actual people you know like right. we're thinking about them as internationals quote you know we, we don't think that Camille is a, is a is a girl is a young woman you know is a woman that needs to have a family have people you know who's going to help her adjust to this area and so folks like yourself uh, are a critical part of the formula that you're willing to bring uh, people into your home and 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 make Camille feel at home because thing is as compelling as Camille is, as much she can offer as being a young, talented, you know, design-focused, social media person, whatever, if she doesn't feel at home here, guess where she's going? She's leaving. She's going back to France. You know what I mean? So it's people like you who make her feel at home here. So I commend you on that. I appreciate it. They, uh, you know, when she was, they spent one Sunday afternoon with us. We went riding. Aurelian's out there playing on the trampoline with my youngest <laughs> son, Colton. And I tell him, you know, make yourself at home, you know, because I want, I want to be comfortable with them and I want them to be comfortable with us, and, and I love it. That's great. That's great. Well, I appreciate you being on the podcast. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's been, it's been nice. And Camille, thank you for inviting him and for being here with us. Thank you. Thank you to you, too. It was very nice, as always. Nice. And, of course, thank you behind the mic, Silent Micah. Well said, well said. All right, and uh, I guess we'll see you next week on Old Town, New World.